Amen. What a beautiful name, the name of Jesus Christ. There's no other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved but our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. As the children are dismissing from Children's Church, go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to James chapter 5. We're going to look at the first six verses this morning as we continue our study in a series that we've entitled The Price of Maturing as a Christian. Today we want to see that financial sacrifice makes for a mature Christian. In other words, if you ever want to mature in Christ, in your walk with Christ, you will never succeed. You will never come to maturity in Christ if you continually rob from God. In other words, if you're not giving of your 10%, if you're not tithing to God, if you're not helping to meet the needs of others, you will never mature in your Christian walk with God. Because financial sacrifice, as we're going to see here this morning, makes for mature Christians. Only immature Christians do not understand the importance of financial sacrifice within their life. Now, at the end of James chapter 4, we were introduced to a business-minded person who was making plans, if you will remember, concerning his business adventure. They had planned, he had planned, but his plan did not include God. His plan was a futile plan, and which is a plan designed as if God does not exist. In other words, he made his plan, never even thought, well, what's God going to think about this plan? Is this plan in line with God's will for my life? You know, so he made these plans never considering God in the equation. And this was James' way of encouraging us that when we make, are making our plans, our plans must be in line with God's plans. If our plans are not in line with God's plans, then our plans will not be honored by God. You may be successful or think you're successful in those plans, but if it's not honored by God, it will soon come to an end. So today, James gives us a strong warning about what happens if we pursue wealth and riches apart from God. You see, James is basically saying this. You can make your business and financial plans. And you can make a lot of money in your life. You know, but you can do all that without giving to God sometimes. And But one th thing you must remember and one thing you may think about is, you know, is God going to honor this? Look what we got up here for. You can make your business and financial plans and make a lot of money over your lifetime. You can do all that without giving God one thought about what you're doing. But I'm telling you, James is saying, that there are serious consequences when you get rich and your wealth is all about you rather than what God wants. You see, as James begins chapter 5, we don't see him addressing the brethren as he's addressed up to this point. Okay, in fact, we do not see the brethren mentioned again. In other words, he does not turn his focus back over to the brethren until verse 7, which it occurs four times between verses 7 and 12. And what we have is James turning his focus from the brethren to address wealthy, unsaved Jews who had poor Jews working for them. 
They have mistreated the poor Jews. They have unpaid, uh, underpaid the, 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 these poor Jews. And as a result, James is warning them of the judgment of God that is about to befall upon them. So today we're going to look at the four dangers of wealth that's gained without any concern of God. Now that's the key to it. Because there's nothing wrong with wealth. There's nothing wrong with gaining wealth. But what we're going to see James address this morning is the dangers of wealth gained without any concern of God. As we look at the price of maturing as a Christian, financial sacrifice makes for mature Christians. Let's get started this morning. First of all, self-sacrifice is an attribute of a mature Christian. Self-sacrifice. We must understand that there is nothing wrong with wealth in and of itself. It is what we do with that wealth that can be good or it can be bad and determines our maturity or our immaturity in Christ. What did Paul tell young Timothy? It's not money that's the root of all evil. It's not wealth that's the root of all evil. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, it's that love of money. It's that driving force within you that just wants to gain more and more and more and more and never considering God and what God wants for you in your life. Never considering what God is, wants you to do with this wealth that he has blessed you with. So Paul told Timothy, Timothy, it's, it's that love of money. It's that that's where your focus is. In other words, you've turned money into, you've turned wealth into a God, and you're serving that God at this time in your life. That's what he's talking about. With that fact established, we must understand that for the, an immature child of God, they don't understand uh, the principles of wealth. They don't understand what God wants them to do with it. You see, immature Christians think that they must take care of their own wants, their own desires, and if there's any left, you know, they'll give the leftovers to God. That's the way an immature Christian thinks. Well, if there's any left, I want everything I want first, okay? And if there's any left, then I'll consider what God would have me to do with it. You know, the only problem with that is... Immature Christians are not wise in their finances. Therefore, there's never anything left over. Let me say that again. Immature Christians, they're not wise in their finances. Therefore, there's never any leftovers for God. Never any leftovers for him. But the mature Christian understands we're to be a river and not a reservoir. We're to be a channel and not a clog. A mature Christian understands the big shovel principle that I cannot outgive God. The more I give, the more God is going to bless me. Therefore, they're always willing to make that financial sacrifice because they know that God blesses self-sacrifice. Let me say that again. God will bless your self-sacrifice. So many times God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. And that's what an immature Christian don't understand. God blesses you because God wants you to bless someone else. But what do we want to do? Because of our immaturity, we want to, well, first, let me get everything I want. Let me get everything I want. And any leftovers, I may chunk out there to God. It's like the guy... 
who had been down on his luck, and he was strapped financially. And one day, he received $200 in the mail anonymously. He didn't know where this $200 come from, but this guy was mature enough to understand that it was a blessing from God. So he goes to God and he says, you know, God, I understand this is a blessing and because you have blessed me, I want to share this blessing with someone else because you've been so gracious to me. So he was standing there at his second story window, looking out, looking down, and he said, God, show me how I can pass this blessing along. And as he looked down in that, from that second story window, he saw this down and out looking feller standing by a phone booth. He said, ah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to help. I'm going to pass this blessing of God on to this down and out fella. So he grabs an envelope and he puts $20, you know, $20 in there. 10%, right? 10% of his blessing from God. This means yes. This means no. This means don't talk about money. Okay, so he puts 10% in there, $20, he throw, and he writes on the deal, don't despair. That's kind of uplifting the guy, don't despair, here's $20. So he drops it down, and it falls at the feet of the man. And he picks it up, and he's looking a little puzzled, and he looks up there, and he sees this guy in the second story window. So he goes straight to the phone booth, and he gets in the phone booth, Okay. And the next day, there's a knock on the generous man's door. And when the man opens, he, this, this down-and-out dude hands him a wad of $100 bills. And the guy looks at it, he said, what is this for? And he said, because uh, don't despair paid 50 to 1. Now, you'll get that in a moment. Okay, I'm going to let people explain. <laughs> yeah, don't despair paid 50 to 1. What did he do with the blessing? He put it on a horse, okay? But it paid off, didn't it? Look, I, I'm not saying that God works that way. Don't nobody go out here and, you know, go to the racetracks, okay, with God's money. But, you know, I'm not saying that God works that way. But my point in that little story is that God does this expect us to share our blessings with others god expects us to give our 10 percent to him and when we do we're going to continually be blessed for it and here in these six verses we can see four dangers if we fail to understand wealth and fail to understand uh, 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 the mature way of uh, the the way of a mature child of God. Let's get started this morning. The confusion of the uh, of the self rich. Verse one. Go ye now, rich men. When did he say go? Right now. Go now, and weep and howl. In other words, right now, go weep and howl for your misery that shall come. So what James is saying, you might as well start weeping and howling now. You might as well start crying now. You might as well start boohooing now, okay? Because your misery that shall come. In other words, what James is saying, that misery may not come right at that moment. But trust me, James says, the misery is coming. So you might as well start crying now because it's going to happen. 
He says, your memory that shall come, uh, misery that shall come upon you. Here in these first verses, James is saying to these wealthy Jews, you think you have it all together, but you're really confused in your thinking. You're confused in your thinking. Listen to me. Immature believers are confused in their thinking when it comes to finances. Immature believers are confused when it comes to wealth and riches. James is saying you are about to be suddenly amazed in your riches. You see, for the wealthy, they tend to put more faith in their riches, okay, than they do in the one who has provided those riches. And that's when their riches become their God. And the next thing you know, God is completely out of the picture. You see, two things James warns them of here. First of all, mishandled wealth brings about weeping. And not only that, mishandled wealth will bring about misery. Will it happen today? Maybe not. But what did James say? It's coming. So you might as well start crying now. Okay? Herein lies the confusion. For most people, they think wealth is the answer to all their problems in life. However, James is saying this. James is saying that what you think to be the answer to life's problems, what you think, more money, less problems. James says what you think to be the answer to life's problems can, if not handled properly, be the problem in and of itself. Why is that? Because your riches, your wealth, your money has become your God. And if you're going to put your faith and your trust in your new God, that new God is going to become a problem in your life at some point. At some point. Look, we've all heard the tragic stories of those who won the lottery and rather than those riches bringing happiness and pleasure into their life, You know, we've heard the stories of how it brought sadness and misery in their life instead. You see, instead of of solving all their problems in life, it brought much bigger problems within their life. You know, how many times have you heard the story of somebody who won the lottery and, boy, they got cousins, aunts, and uncles they never even heard of? Now you got enough problems with your immediate family. Now these new families, boy, you got all kinds of problems. But we've heard those tragic stories of people who's won the lottery. And what did that do? It brought more problems into their life. Yes, listen. If you leave God out of riches and wealth, and if those riches are not handled properly, they can become the problem themselves. Now, the next thing here is the corruption of the self-rich. Verse 2 and in verse 5. Let's read those. Your riches are corrupted. And your garments are moth-eaten. Then verse 5. You have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanting. You have nourished your hearts as the day, as in a day, a slaughter. Another way of saying that is this. Your money is corrupt and your fine clothes stink. Okay? Your, your greedy luxuries are a cancer in your gut destroying your life from within. You thought you were piling up wealth, but what you have really piled up 
is judgment. That's another way of what James is saying right there. Now, there are three facts about material possessions when God gets left out of the equation. Three things. First of all, material possessions will deteriorate and fade away. Material possessions, listen to me, don't last forever. The second thing is material possessions can become a false idol. And the third thing is material possessions will be burned up one day as this whole world is set on fire. You see, the things, the things of this world, if they're not handled in a correct manner, they will not be the answer to your problem. They will become the problem and they will corrupt our lives. So that's why we got to be aware. The, in, the, the immature Christian, they don't understand this principle. They don't understand that, you know, that these things that they think they just have to have is one day going to become the very problem of their life they thought these things could solve. Now, the next thing we see there is this, the condemnation of the self-rich. We see that in verse 3. Look at verse 3. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped treasure together for the last days. Now, the last days there is not making reference to the end of time. It's talking there about retirement, your last days. In other words, the last days of your life, talking about retirement there. You see, what the self-rich do not understand is that wealth can either bring a blessing upon us or it's going to bring condemnation upon us. For those who are unsaved, you know, or the Christian who is not mature spiritually in their wealth, they don't understand that though it seems they are commended by the world for their wealth and success, they are in reality condemned by God for their idol worship as their wealth has replaced God in their life and became their God. And God says this, foolish man, in Luke chapter 12, he says, foolish man, we know the story here, how this guy was just going to be builder barns, you know, and God was completely out of his equation. And Jesus said, you foolish man, don't you know that tonight your life will be taken from you? Don't you know that tonight you're going to draw your last breath? So who will get those things that you prepared for yourself? This is how it will be, Jesus said. For those who store up things for themselves and is not rich toward God. In other words, you, you, you gained all these riches. You've left God out of the equation in doing so. And here pretty soon, he says, you're going to draw that last breath. And then whose things are these going to be? You want me to tell you who they're going to be? <laughs> over your kids fighting over it, Okay. And dividing the family because they're fighting over everything that you have. But Jesus says, we don't know when we're going to draw that last breath. And he says, this man left God completely out of his riches. 
That's why his life was going to end the way it was. When James refers again to the last days, he's not talking about the end of times. He's making reference to our last days. That's the retirement. Now, listen here. Though we are encouraged by in the Bible, okay, there's nothing wrong with pre- preparing for retirement. Okay, I prepared for retirement. You know, most of the people in here prepared for retirement. Listen to me. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with preparing for retirement. In fact, we should prepare for retirement. If your <laughs> if your plans are on the federal government taking care of you during retirement with Social Security or something else, you're going to starve to death. Okay. You better learn how to garden. You better learn how to, you know, scrape a pig when you kill it or skin it, either one. You better, you better learn some things that most people today don't have no earthly idea. And in fact, I'm going to take it a step further. If you're not planning for retirement, you're immature. You're immature. So look what I've got here. Though we are encouraged to prepare for retirement, we must not allow that to become our driving force. In other words... More and more and more and more. Many live their life just like the rich man of Luke chapter 12. Thinking only of themselves and never others. And Jesus says, you foolish man. You foolish man. What's he saying to the immature Christian this morning? Foolish man. Foolish woman. Look, I believe that it's better to be commended by God and condemned by the world than to be commended by the world and condemned by God. Let's look at the next thing here. The cruelty of the self-rich. Verse 4 and verse 6. Look what he says here. Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your field. Remember at the beginning of this lesson, I told you that, you know, he's going to talk to these rich Jews now who are working these poor Jews, not paying them well. He says, behold the hire of the laborers you have reaped, who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud crieth. And the cries of them which have reaped have entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. Verse 6. You have condemned and killed the just and doeth not, and he doeth not resist you. Here's what we need to understand here. First of all, though the poor cry out, the ears of the rich do not hear. I will assure you, the ears of the rich, of those in Washington, Austin, and everywhere else, they don't hear the cry of us little peons out here who are paying too much in taxes, too much in gasoline, and all this. They don't hear our cries. Okay? And though the poor die daily, the eyes of the rich do not see. And yet the ears of God does hear the cries. The eyes of God does see. The wealthy, and, and the wealthy will one day give an account for their actions with the wealth that they have received. In the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, we see this very principle addressed by Jesus. No doubt, no doubt that this rich man heard the cries of Lazarus every day while he was laid outside his gate, just saying, please just give me the crumbs. 
You don't have to give me the whole left, uh, loaf. Just give me the crumbs. I believe that rich man heard those cries every day. Okay? No doubt he saw Lazarus every day. I'm sure he had to see him. He had to see him laying out there by that gate with sores upon his body. Yet this rich man was unable to truly hear the cries. Because he toned them out. He didn't want to hear the cries. So he kind of tuned those cries out. I believe he truly saw Lazarus on the ground. But he didn't really see a down and out man. Because his focus was on his material wealth. And this is where the danger of material wealth lies. Look, when we're unable to see the needs of those around us. Because we're so focused on the things that are before us, we're guilty of financial selfishness. Let me say that again. When we're unable, and that was the problem with the man in Luke chapter 12. Okay, That was the problem with the rich man. When we're unable to see the needs of those around us because our focus is on, you know, the material things that I've got in life, okay, then we're guilty of financial selfishness. We're only thinking of ourselves and not others. Now, some of you, some of you, just a thought here. Some of you may be breathing a sigh of relief, saying, wow, I'm glad I'm not wealthy. This message wasn't for me. Can I tell you something? What does it mean to be wealthy? What does it mean to be wealthy? If you don't think you're wealthy, we still got room for those going who wants to go to Peru. If you don't think you're wealthy, I challenge you, come to Peru with us in July when we go there for our mission trip and then ask yourself if you're wealthy. If you don't think that you're wealthy, March the 23rd is our next trip to Houston to minister to the homeless. If you don't think you're wealthy, Go with us March the 20th and then ask yourself if you're wealthy as you're ministering to those who are truly poor. Take a walk through MD Anderson Hospital and then ask yourself if you're wealthy. Go through the hallways of of Texas Children's Hospital and then ask yourself, am I wealthy? I want to assure you, every one of us in this room this morning is wealthy. We are wealthy. We are wealthy. If you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, I believe you're the most wealthiest person in the world. Your father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. You are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So yes, you are wealthy. So yes, this message was for you this morning too. If you're saved, if you're saved, you have something waiting for you that no amount of money 
can purchase. That, that is waiting for you. The streets are paved with gold. The gates of that city are one big pearl on each side. If you're saved, the new city Jerusalem is just waiting for you because Jesus is preparing it at this time. And you think you're poor? You think you're poor? Look, with God, with God, it is not how much material possessions we have that determines our wealth. Don't miss this. It's not how many material possessions that you have, that I have, that determines our wealth. It's what we do with what we have that determines our wealth or lack thereof. That's what matters. Some people say, well, I just can't afford to tithe or I can't help to, to help others out in a financial way. Listen to me, the truth is, you cannot afford not to tithe and you cannot afford not to help those in need if you want to grow spiritually. Now, if you're content where you are spiritually and you think that I don't want to grow no more spiritually, then, hey, just keep on keeping on. And you'll never grow from where you're at today spiritually. You've plateaued and you've gone as far as you can. You've gone as far as you can. Wealth is not the problem. It's the love of wealth that's the problem. I believe the Bible is full of examples of, of the godly walking by faith, generous people who were very wealthy. Solomon was the most wealthiest person ever on the face of the earth, and he was a godly man. So yes, you can be a godly person and be wealthy, but you can also be wealthy and not be a godly man. That choice is yours. That choice is yours. The price of maturing as a Christian, financial sacrifice will help you begin to grow. So if you haven't been sacrificing financially, why not make a commitment this morning? I, 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 I want to begin to grow spiritually. Therefore, I'm going to begin to make some more sacrifices in my finances. I'm going to quit giving God just the leftovers that are never there. That are never there. And I'm going to start giving him the first tenth. And when there's a need, I'm going to start helping, even if it means I can't have, you know, a, a case of Dr. Pepper this month, okay? Or whatever it might be. Trust God. Let's pray.